to Mr. Biz Radio, biz talk for biz owners. If you're ready to stop faking the funk and take your business onward and upward, this show is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. All right, welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio. With me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, and you guys are stuck with me for today. Um, want to talk about, first of all, we're going to do an Ask Mr. Biz. Uh, I've got... Uh, we'll see how many of these we can get through. We've got a handful of questions here from people all over the place. So we'll see how many of those we can get through. Um, and I wanted to talk about, so I, let me just give you an idea uh, as a prelude to some of the things we're going to talk about. Um, do I have what it takes to run a business? Um, choosing a partner, would partner uh, a partner for business, uh, would that make it easier for success? Hiring qualified employees. Uh, how much to spend on marketing and advertising, considering the economy especially? Um, setting pricing levels, um, expanding, uh, he wants to expand, yeah, he wants to expand beyond one location, um, key considerations, et cetera. So I don't know if we'll get through all those. We'll see if we can. So I wanted to start off with talking a little bit. I attended, um, uh, recently attended the, uh, Grant Cardone's growth con, um, out in Las Vegas. Uh, it was three days. Absolutely amazing. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, et cetera, I highly recommend attending. Even if you don't attend in person, you can. he offers virtual. You can just do a virtual thing as well. Uh, obviously, much less expensive doing it that way. The conference, I don't know how he does it. He, he comes up with these guests that are just amazing. A lot of times he talks with celebrities, uh, people that are business owners, but mostly a lot of people that are well-known. Um, Kathy Wood, for example, she she runs ARK Investments. Um, amazing insights that she talked about. She, their ARK Investments really specializes in innovative companies and who's sort of on the on the come up, uh, things like that. So it's very interesting to hear her talk about their process, how they choose investments, et cetera. Um, gosh, so many people, Stedman Graham, uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Tom Brady, the GOAT, uh, talked. It was very interesting to hear about his journey through college and then uh, into the NFL. A lot of great stories, of course. Um, just the, the guests were amazing. Um, highly recommend you attend. This is my this is my fifth one that I've attended, and I can't imagine not attending that event. It's just uh, it's highly recommended. Very good, very good. All right, so let's get into some of the questions here because I want to get through uh, as many as these we can. So um, as I mentioned, the first one was the first question we have from Mike and Callie, um, and Mike asked, "Do I have what it takes to run a business?" It's kind of a trick question, Mike. Ah. Uh, I don't know you, uh, <laughs> but what I can speak to is, at least in my experience, um, a lot of experience, what I think are keys to actually being able to run a business successfully. Anyone can run a business. I think, I'm guessing, Mike, that you want to run a business successfully. First of all, thanks for submitting the question, Mike. Don't mean to pick on you. Um, so the first thing I'll say is, I'm glad you asked the question in some regards, because Running a business, starting a business especially, and then starting a business is one thing, right? Running a business is another because the same skill set that it takes in the chutzpah for you old timers out there that it takes to start a business, you know, you probably need you need to evolve and grow because you need a different skill set and you need to evolve your skill set as that business scales and grows. Um, but I'll tell you some things that you really need, whether you're starting a business from scratch, from zero or you are taking over a business. And if you're taking it over, 
there's probably at least a 50% chance that you're taking over a business that probably was either flatlined or maybe even struggling, et cetera. And that's why you ended up buying it. The person was selling it because it wasn't doing well, et cetera. Um, so there's a few things that I would mention. First thing is, of course, you know, I'm going to mention, you got to have consistent perseverance. When you're an entrepreneur, when you're a business owner, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how handsome or pretty you are, who you know, how much money you, it doesn't matter. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, it's just inevitable. It's just, it's part of the game. Um, and if you're not, if you're not willing to accept that, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I mentor a lot of people and you know, I have a lot of people that are, you've heard me say this word, uh, this term on the, on the show before, are entrepreneurs. They want to be an entrepreneur, but they're not sure. And they don't have, uh, they just don't have the confidence yet to take that leap. And for many of them, I like to say that I proverbially push them off the cliff um, and force them to, to take action. But honestly, for some, I mean, it's it's been a few that I've told, you know, I Based on, you know, your skill set and, and less about skill set, more about mindset and psychologically, you know, I'll just tell them I'm, I'm a truth teller. I don't think you're cut out for it um, because, again, you're going to take a lot of losses. I mean, a lot of losses along the way. Unfortunately, again, it's just it's part of the growth process. Now, after you've started your fourth, fifth, sixth business, you've been through the school of hard knocks, as they say, and you probably will have less of those losses, but you're still going to have them. The losses could be external things that you can't even control. And, and so you have to be able to bob and weave with those. Now, again, over time with experience, you've, you will have gone through some of those challenges, right? So a down economy or the interest rates are up, depending on what impacts your business, right? The weather, like if you have a seasonal business and the weather may impact it, for example. Um, and so if you've got experience in that industry, whatever it is, you're going to be able to bob and weave around those things and be successful. But that's the thing, consistent perseverance. You have to be able, after you get knocked down, to absolutely get back up and dust yourself off and say, look, all right, that didn't work. Let's try something different. I know that way doesn't work. So let me let me try something different. Let me, let me switch things up a little bit. I know this gets overplayed, but I got to say it. You got to have some passion about what you do. Um, and you don't have to be like, oh, my gosh, I go to bed at night dreaming about landscaping. Um, that's great if it is, but you don't have to be that passionate, but you have to have some passion about it. And the primary reason is because what I just mentioned, you're going to take some losses. If you're doing something that you go, you know what? I don't really give a crap about plumbing, but I'm going to run a plumbing business. And, you're, and then you start taking losses. All of a sudden you really don't like the plumbing business, right? So uh, it's it's very, very important that you have some passion. Again, you don't have to be like over the top, you know, beating the drum off the, and yelling off the rooftop about it, but you got to have some passion about it because otherwise when you start taking those losses and start having those bumps on the road and those challenges, you're more likely to say, forget this. This is a bunch of crap. I don't want to do it, et cetera. So you don't want to do that. The other thing I'll mention that's, that's critically important, um, it's kind of got two parts. You have to have self-awareness. Uh, if you don't have self-awareness, you need to make sure that you've got people around you that are truth tellers, whether they're people in your business or people around you that are maybe sort of you that mentor you or you talk with on a regular basis, maybe other fellow business owners, et cetera, that tell you and will tell you truthfully, Ken, Bob, Joe, Jills, Susie, you're not good at this, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Very few of us, if any, are good at everything, right, in, in the business world. There are going to be some things that come up 
and, and rather than bang your head against the wall and try to figure it out on your own, or as uh, Natalie, Natalie Dawson now, uh, Brandon Dawson's wife says, uh, I learned this term from her, so I got to give her credit for it. GTS, Google that shit. Um, rather than go through life that way, sometimes you got to have self-awareness, know what you're not good at, and hire your weaknesses. You'll end up saving money, and those, those resources, if you pick the right ones, will end up paying for themselves many times over. A marketing person, I don't know, maybe a financial person, um, if that's not your cup of tea and you're not really good at that, those types of resources can pay for themselves many, many, many times over, um, especially if you're not good at those things. So well, we only got through one question. We got to hit a break here. So um, I'm already behind schedule. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to get through as many of these as we can. Um, come back after the break. We'll give the Mr. Biz tip of the week, and we're going to dive back into these questions. Next question is from Jeff in Pennsylvania. If you would like to reach hundreds of thousands of business owners every week, Mr. Biz Radio can help. Our show airs globally seven days a week for more than 25 hours across several internet radio stations plus 20-plus podcast platforms. Also, video exposure on the new exclusive Mr. Biz Network streaming channel, which gets blasted to 100-plus streaming platforms and the Mr. Biz YouTube channel and our 350,000 social media followers multiple times every week. Join Mr. Biz Nation as an advertiser by emailing us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Are you ready to automate your business? Automation is the key to scaling a business and building wealth. It's also one of the most difficult things for a small business owner to do on their own. If you're looking for help with automation, Pulse Technology CRM can help. We have an exclusive offer for Mr. Biz Nation. We will build everything for free, even if it's a sophisticated funnel. Visit thepulsespot.com forward slash Mr. Biz for this exclusive offer. Got a question for Mr. Biz you want answered on air? Email it to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show. It's time for Mr. Biz tip of the week. And this week's tip is about budgeting. One of my three pillars of financial success, absolute must, or as I also call it, the B word. Not that B word, but a lot of people think about budget the same way they think about the other B word. They don't like it. Um, but the tip this week is that your budget has to be aspirational. Aspirational in growth, but also aspirationally attainable. Now, how do you balance that, right? That's the trick. Uh, you can't make a budget that's just, oh my gosh, this is a slam dunk. I'll just kill it because you you won't keep your foot on the gas pedal. You, you got to make sure that it's something that's very aspirational, but you can't say, oh my gosh, we're going to grow sales. If, if sales have grown by 5% a year over the last three years, and you all of a sudden say, I want to grow my sales by 300%, unless you have some groundbreaking new thing you're going to do, or some new product line or new locations or an acquisition or something like that, that's probably not attainable. So you got to kind of balance that. So it's very, very important though, but it has to be aspirational. Again, it can't be just a slam dunk, easy but you, first off, you got to have a stinking budget, man. You got to have a budget. Uh, it's just, just critically important. Again, one of my three uh, three pillars of financial success for businesses. All right. That's Mr. Bitch Tip of the Week. As I said, uh, the next question comes to us from Jeff in Pennsylvania. So, Jeff, thanks for submitting your question. And he asks, would a partner or partners make it easier to be successful as a business owner? Uh, gosh, I could talk about this for probably about, I don't know, 1.2 days. Um so think about it this way. I'll answer your question this way, Jeff. Think about this. 
how many businesses of any size or magnitude over a level of success do you know of that are run by one person and one person only? I'll wait. No, I won't wait because I'll be waiting forever. Uh, I'm not saying that they don't happen. Uh, they can happen. But gosh, think about it. Every business needs to have some partner or partners. Um, and partner could be, you know, just hiring to start off. You're a solopreneur and you hire a VA, a virtual assistant to help you. That's a form of being a partner. Um, I'm guessing that Jeff's talking more about a business partner that may have, you know, partial ownership in the business, things like that. That can also be very valuable. A few things that I'll mention. So first of all, you know, it's very difficult to do it yourself. Think about, you know, again, I'll give you a couple examples. Think about Microsoft, Bill Gates, maybe probably couldn't have done it without him. So by himself, right. Needed, uh, was it Wozniak? Was it Wozniak? No, Wozniak was Apple. I think, uh, uh Steve Ballmer, uh, Apple, you know, Steve jobs, big visionary didn't have, needed someone to actually get stuff done. A partnership was great. He may have been, each of those individuals may have been unsuccessful on their own. If you have someone who's an operator and really good at getting things done, but they don't have any vision, probably not going to go very far. If you have someone who's a visionary, but they're always chasing a new shiny object, they're probably not going to operationally get things done. So very important to be able to balance those things out. It goes a little bit back to what I talked about last segment about self-awareness. So that's another thing is that the fit has to be right. If you're going to take on a partner, I would strongly suggest to have someone especially if they're going to, if they're a silent partner and just putting in money, that's one thing. But if they're going to be involved in the business at all, you want to find someone optimally who has a complementary skill set to yours. So if you're really good at finance and marketing, you probably don't want a partner that's really good at finance and marketing, right? Because you, you already have that skill set. So what you want to do is find someone who has the things that you're maybe weak in. As I mentioned in the last segment of don't be afraid to hire for your weaknesses. Well, in this case, partner with someone who has a skill set and has expertise in areas that maybe are challenging for you or are a weak point for you. The last thing I'll mention as far as partners, partnership, especially when you're talking about equity and buying into the business, do not, do not, repeat after me, do not cheap out on the legal aspect of a partnership. I don't care if it's your uncle. I don't care if it's your brother, your sister. I don't care if it's one of your parents. I literally had, I won't mention any names, but I had a local client here who started a business with his father and they, things literally went south with them. And now they don't even speak. So not only is the business ruined and it was a growing, thriving business, now the family relationship is ruined. You never know what's going to happen with people. You've got to make sure that you don't cheap out on the legal part. I, I've given this example uh, a couple, many shows before, but I have someone I know pretty well, started a business, took on some private equity money. And they grew the business from a $6 million business to a $60 million business in a few years. The private equity group came into him, said, by the way, pack up your stuff. We don't need you anymore. They bought him out for a half a million dollars because he cheaped out on the legal side. He said, no, no, I'm the founder. You can't do that. And they said, oh, well, flip through the document. You see this paragraph four, sentence two? Yeah, $500,000 buyout. Pack up your stuff. We don't need you anymore because he cheaped out on the legal side. You cannot do that. And again, it may be a close friend of yours. It's business. I know it sounds cliched, but it's so true. You don't know what's going to happen in someone's life. God forbid that someone you know that you're close to and you go into business with and you think, ah, we got a handshake agreement. That doesn't always work. What if that person, again, God forbid, has a, a gambling problem? Uh, they have marital problems, which causes some issues, you know, money issues, and that makes them, you know, creates bad decisions on their end. 
Um, they get into, you know, alcohol or drugs or something like that, maybe because of a stressful situation that's going on in their life. You never know. Don't take it personally, but you got to protect yourself from a legal perspective. Um, it just can come back and bite you in the butt too often. So, Jeff, thanks for that question. All right, what do we got up here next? Uh, oh, good one. Uh, Shelly in the UK, little cup of tea for you. Uh, <laughs> um, we, she asks, um, how can I hire qualified employees? Uh, again, lots of different ways to go with that. As I'm sure, I know I got clients in all different geographies. I got clients in all different industries. Man, hiring has been so stinking challenging um, over the last, well, pre-COVID, but even worse post-COVID. Um, but here's a couple of things that I'll, I'll throw out to you um, that I think are critically important in hiring the best people. If you're trying to hire a brain surgeon, of course, you got to have someone who has a technical skill to be a brain surgeon. Generally speaking, though, you want to start with someone who has, who has, exhibits character, loyalty, and work ethic. If you start with those three things and you hire someone who has those three characteristics, they will be a rock star for you. Even if they may not may not have the technical skill. Again, not something super technical like you know being a brain surgeon. But if you hire them and they they'll learn the technical skill. If you're hiring a financial person, I know I'll speak from my days at JP Morgan. If I was hiring a financial analyst or someone like that and they didn't know Excel, I don't care. I'll send them to a class. They can learn Excel. Like too many people look at a resume and go, oh, well, we need someone with Excel. The heck with that. I'll send you to class. You can learn Excel and if you have those three things. If you don't, you're going to go to class. You're going to screw around. You're not going to learn Excel. But if you have character, loyalty, and work ethic, you're going to be like, gosh, I want to learn this. I'm going to be really good at my job. Um, I want to get through this one thing. Uh, and I mentioned this on the show. It's been a long time since I mentioned it. But so someone asked me one time uh, when I was at a speaking engagement doing a Q&A, and they said, well, that sounds great. How the heck do I measure character, loyalty, and work ethic in a job interview? And I have only got a minute, so I got to make this quick. But I would use, I call it the trash test. I'd put a piece of trash between the door and the office they're going to walk into in their chair with a trash can right next to it. So they literally had to step over the piece of trash to get to the seat that they were going to sit in. If the person walks in, steps over the trash, big red flag. If the person walks in and sees the trash in the trash can, it's right there, picks it up and puts the trash in the trash can, big green flag. Doesn't mean you necessarily don't hire them or, or definitely hire them, but I'll tell you, it's a huge indicator. It indicates character, loyalty, and work ethic. The person who picks it up and throws it away is not the person that you hire and they go, ah, no one told me how to do that. The person who picks it up and throws it away is the one that says, there's a problem. I know how to fix it. Right there's a trash can. I'm going to fix it. Those are the kind of people you want to bring on board. And that's a, that's one simple way to measure character, loyalty, work ethic. Uh, okay, we've got to hit a break here. Come back. We'll keep going through these questions. Next up is Jake in Nashville. How would you like to have direct access to Mr. Biz to help you run your business more profitably and more efficiently? At MrBizSolutions.com, you get live access to not only Mr. Biz, but also several of his hand-picked and trusted business experts, each with 20-plus years of experience to help you optimally manage and grow your business. That's just the start of where Mr. Biz Solutions begins. Learn more at MrBizSolutions.com. That's MrBizSolutions.com. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit CheckOffYourList.com to learn how Check Off Your List's skilled team can handle your day-to-day -day tasks 
like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at checkoffyourlist.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Check out all three of Mr. Biz's best-selling books at mrbizbooks.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into this, uh, as promised. Next question is from Jake in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and Jake's question is, how much should I spend on marketing slash advertising, especially given the current economic conditions? Uh, I get this question a lot, and my answer has not changed um, over the years, uh, over the last you know several years that uh, you know since I first got this question and really kind of thought this through a little bit, did a lot of research. Um, what I recommend all of my clients is generally speaking to spend between two and eight percent of your gross revenue, two and eight percent, somewhere in that range. Um, and some people, uh, I've had clients before that they get a little crazy and they get taken by not taken. I shouldn't say that. Uh, they get a really good salesperson who comes in and sells them on some great new marketing, you know, plan or whatever, um, and they end up, you know, overspending. So if you have to, especially when you're starting up, um, you know, you should have something when you're starting up, even before you have revenue, right? You're probably going to need to do some things, do as much organic as you can, obviously, but you're going to have to probably spend some money. Um, but you got to make sure as you start to have revenue, if you need to, to make sure you don't overspend is, you know, literally I had, I had to do this with one client is I said, whatever your gross revenue is for February, that we're going to multiply that by X percent, whatever, between two and eight that we were using. And that's how much you get to spend on marketing in March. Whatever your gross revenue is in March, we'll multiply that by between two and eight percent. And that's what you get to spend in April, et cetera. So we had to keep him very disciplined because he was willy nilly buy this and do that. And, you know, all kind of crazy stuff. Um, you can use up to 15 percent to more than that nine to 15 percent range. If during short bursts, let's say you're opening a new location. Um, and you want to really uh, deluge that new market with advertising, let people know, hey, we're we're here, we're we're in business. Come come and do business with us. Um, you might be launching a new product. You might have a new service that you're doing. You might, um, if you're a professional services company and you're you just hired a new lawyer, or you brought on a new partner, for example, you might want to advertise that to bring in more business because maybe that partner has has added an element in the attorney example that. Um, before you focused on, you know, three aspects, legal aspects, and now this new partner brings on a whole new thing. Maybe they work with employment law, for example, and you can really uh, market the heck out of that. The most important thing, though, is you got to know what you, kind of ROI, return on investment you're getting in every form of advertising that you're doing. And I mean every, uh, marketing and advertising, both of them. You got to make sure that you're getting at least a three times ROI. And I know some marketers out there are like, whoa, dude, you're killing me. You got to be able to do that. You got to be able to get that out of it. There are ways to do it. And if you got a good marketer, they'll get it for you. And if they don't, find a new one or, or create a new plan. Um, so those are the most important things. Two to 8%, expect a three times ROI, meaning that if you spend 100 bucks on marketing, you can bank on, I'm going to get $300 of new sales or new revenue. Um, that's what I mean by that. So uh, good question. I can talk about that for, for days. I want to try to get through as many as we can. Oh, uh, the next one. Uh, how do I set price levels? This is from Kristen in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Kristen, I was just out in Las Vegas uh, at GrowthCon. As I mentioned, I could have uh, we could have met up. Um, gosh, pricing levels. Well, uh, 
non not even coincidentally, that's pricing is one of my other, uh, the second of my uh, three financial pillars uh, of two financial success, I should say, for businesses. I mentioned the tip this week on budgeting. So the three pillars are cash flow, budgeting, pricing. So we talked about budgeting during the tip. Uh, now we're getting a question from Kristen in Las Vegas about pricing. So first you have to know your cost basis. So there's there's basically three ways to do pricing, uh, you know, technical terms, accounting, cost accounting type things. I won't even take you into the weeds on any of that stuff. Most of you don't even care about that. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be like, whoa, that's way too technical. But you have to, you got to start with knowing your cost basis. Too many people use the back of an envelope. I'm being a little bit facetious here, but to create their pricing. Or they say, oh, well, I'm a plumber and the plumber down the street charges a hundred bucks for a service call. I'm going to charge 90 without even knowing their own cost basis. Uh, terrible, terrible mistake. You have to know because maybe his cost base or her cost basis is much lower than yours. And so maybe their cost base for a service call is their average cost base is, I don't know, let's call it $80. So they're making $20 on every service call, right? They, their cost base is 80, they're charging 100. Well, maybe when you're starting out, your cost base is 120 and you're charging 90 because you're trying to undercut them by 10 bucks. Well, you're losing $30 on every service call you do. And that creates what I call the silent business killer a product or service that you have that you unknowingly are not charging enough for. And so you're losing money on it. And so in this, in that example with the silent business killer, your sales, your revenue is going up, right? You're selling a whole bunch of these $90 service calls because they're cheap, but you're actually losing money. So your sales are going up and your net income is going down with every sale. You just get further and further, just terrible mistake. Um, the other thing I mentioned on when about knowing your cost basis Super, super important and all of your costs. Like you gotta include everything in there, your indirect costs, direct costs, all that stuff. And a portion of like your rent, uh, your utilities, all, that all has to be baked into the cost basis for everything that you do. Everyone talks about gross margin. It's not nearly as important as net margin. Gross margin is just your, your revenue or your sales minus your cost of goods sold, the things that, that you, the expenses that you incur to, to produce that widget, for example, that's your gross profit or gross margin. Your net margin is your sales minus all your expenses, not only your cost of goods sold, but all of your indirects, your rents, your utilities, your insurance, all those kind of things too. Net margin is the most important. That's what ends up in your pocket at the end of the day. So we want to make sure that we optimize that. Um, the best thing you can do is create a pricing model. I've done this for several clients and I'll make it, I'll make it as simple as possible. If they don't have a software system in which we can build it, I'll make it in Excel. And we give it to the salespeople or anyone who's making sales calls or going out and doing any type of business development so they can ease and make it easy to use. So they can just punch it in. Hey, you know, enter this here, enter this here, enter this here. And it tells you, here's what the, here's what the cost is going to be. Uh, or here's what you should, you should quote uh, for that job. Super important. That keeps everyone disciplined. That ensures that every job that you book in that example is going to be at the margins that you want them to be at. And, and excuse me. If you don't win a job because you price too high, that's okay. Because you don't want jobs that are, are silent business killer, that are losing money or not at the margins you want. Now, that might mean if you start losing a lot of jobs, you need to look at your cost basis again. How can I reduce my cost basis in order to be able to price lower in order to be able to win more jobs? Uh, so that is that. Let me see if I can squeeze one more in. we got about a minute and a half left here. Um, 
This one is from Devin in good old Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, as a matter of fact. He says, I want to expand beyond my one location that I currently have. What are the key considerations in doing so? Oh, my gosh. Ah, so, gosh, I only have a minute, minute or so. Uh, the first thing is you got to make sure that that first location is absolutely a well-oiled operating machine. Everything is awesome. Operationally, financially, everything is nailed down. You got your marketing. You know what people respond to for your business. Um, because when you open another location, essentially what you're doing, if you think about it, you're making a photocopy. You're saying, hey, I'm going to take location one, make a copy of it, but go over here. So you got to make sure you know, for the old old people who know about copy machines, um, you know, you make a copy of something, the, the next copy is not as good. And then you make a copy of the copy and it's even worse, right? So you go on down the line. So you got to make sure that first one is really, really good as operating at a nine or a 10 on scale, one to 10. So when you copy it, you're getting there. You got to have solid written policies and procedures. So when you open that new location, you get consistent experience for the customer between location one and location two. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm going to have to rush through this a little bit to get through it. The last thing I'll mention, though, is people. You can't expand without the right people, especially in leadership. Optimally, you're going to take someone who's been in location one and knows the ways, the culture, the vision, how you operate, that you can pull out of location one and put them in a location two so you have consistency and they continue to, to operate the way you want. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I had to rush through that one. Apologize. But guys, hopefully this was helpful. Ask Mr. Biz. Submit your questions. Info at MrBizSolutions.com. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic week. And don't forget, as always, cash flow is king. To become part of Mr. Biz Nation, follow him on all social media platforms or never miss a show by going to MrBizRadio.com. If you prefer free video content, visit the Mr. Biz YouTube channel or check out his streaming channel, which is available on 100 plus streaming platforms at MrBizNetwork.com.